podcast, Rahul Kashyap from Silence talks about being a technologist in security world. So stay tuned. So welcome everyone to another episode of Future of Data podcast. Today we have with us uh, Rahul Kashyap uh, and a brief bio on Rahul. So Rahul Kashyap is a chief technology officer at Silence, a venture advisor with Hive and founder advisor with EH Security. And prior to Silence, Rahul uh, was a chief security architect with Bromium. Rahul has written several security research papers, blogs, articles that are widely quoted and referenced by media uh, outlets around the world. Rahul has been instrumental in building several security technologies, um, network intrusion uh, prevention systems, uh, host intrusion prevention systems, web application frameworks, white listings and micro virtualizations. He has been awarded several patents for his uh, innovations. Rahul is an accomplished pen tester and has in-depth knowledge of OS, networking and security products. He is frequently featured in several podcasts, webinars, media briefings. Rahul has been speaker at several uh, security conferences like Black Hat, Blue Hat, Back in the Bo- Hack in the Box, RSA, Derbycon and so on and so forth and he was named Silicon Valley's uh, 40 under 40 by Silicon Valley Business Journal. With that, Rahul, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Vishal. Awesome. So I think one thing that that um, I was um, seeing fascinating in your profile uh, was your hands-on uh, sort of background when it comes to security and and rising your way into uh, becoming a successful technologist um, in, in in a security landscape. So why don't you walk us through through your journey, through your journey um, from your grad school, like what brought you here, and 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 walk us through that. Sure, absolutely. So I got into security by choice and not by chance. Uh, uh, way back in the late 1990s when I was in my grad school, uh, I kind of chose uh, security that I kind of was very sure that I wanted to get into security. At that time, there was uh, no, like there wasn't a real security market or, or an industry the way it is well defined today. It was, there were like few products and we were like, uh, you know, hackers trying to, uh, look cool and, and hack some code and stuff. This, that was kind of the norm at that time. Very different from you know how it is now around uh, 18, 19 years later. Mm-hmm. So uh, then I kind of became, I started off as an exploit writer. I used to write exploits uh, mm-hmm. because I kind of uh, felt that I learned a lot from you know uh, exploitation. It, it gave you a depth of understanding how systems work and you know uh, how to bypass you know, defenses and so on. That's kind of how I started. And then I got into building products uh, in terms of how to solve these challenges you know uh, I, I found that okay i'm able to write an exploit and i can compromise machines and users now how do i get how do i prevent that so uh, so i kind of that's kind of how my journey started i worked in one of the first few r d uh, technology security startups in in Bangalore in India uh, uh, way back in the days, uh, uh, and I was responsible for writing a lot of products there. Uh, built it from scratch. It was a, uh, a tremendous experience. Uh, uh, just coming out of grad school and almost like a dream job. And ever since then, I have not really looked back. I've kind of continued to dabble with security uh, with 
you know, network, uh, endpoint, cloud, uh, built several products, built uh, several companies. Uh, uh, so yeah, so I, I'm still as passionate as I was uh, in my college days about security. Uh, so this is kind of, this job is like a, like a dream uh, job for me. I thoroughly enjoy it. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting. And and if you can if you can talk about your current role as as a technology with silence, right? So first, what is silence uh, for our audience? And then what does it mean to be a chief technology officer there? Yeah, so Silence is a very interesting, unique company. Uh, I would say one of the first to uh, introduce and leverage AI and machine learning for for preventing cyber attacks. And uh, the co-founders of uh, Silence were senior executives at McAfee. That's where I met both of them. Uh, Very, very sharp uh, technologists. Uh, so silence approach is kind of a very interesting approach. So basically what happened was when I was at McAfee and when we were all at McAfee, we saw that what was happening there uh, was a, a big shift, a paradigm shift in how uh, attackers and how attacks were evolving. So fundamentally, the uh, the existing technologies at that time was signature-based antivirus. You know, you have, you have an mm-hmm. attack, you write a signature or a heuristic which can catch one or few variants of an attack and it made sense uh, way back in the days when the number of attacks was in thousands and and tens of thousands and sometimes even hundreds of thousands but now we are looking at attacks uh, at a at an internet scale you know it, like mm. there are billions of pieces of uh, pieces of unique attacks so that kind of changes the dynamics and, and puts the odds in the favor of the attacker because you know now you can't cope up with the legacy way of doing things. It, it cannot be a manual uh, human investigative process. So science came up with the concept that, you know what, uh, ultimately it's humans who are writing signatures and they have an expertise. What if I can train machines mm. to build signatures and, and be proactive in defenses? So uh, they came up with the concept of using data science uh, and, and, and AI, sophisticated algorithms to uh, kind of build out uh, a whole new technology wave, uh, which is now you know a pretty big part of cybersecurity industry right now. So it's a very interesting uh, concept. Uh, we have had some tremendous momentum, uh, great response from the market and our customers. Uh, one of the fastest growing companies uh, in the entire uh, you know, North Americas. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, so which shows kind of that the, the, there's a real legit problem to solve, and people were really looking out uh, for for something like this. Uh, and I'll come to your question about uh, as a chief technology officer, my my role is kind of uh, basically to kind of provide strategic direction and vision for the products and technology. Uh, I'm responsible for the cutting edge architecture implementations and, and building out teams uh, to evaluate how can we scale the technology and, and take it to the next level. I'm also actively involved with customers, partners, uh, uh, and also with media many times to look at what problems we can solve and uh, and, and kind of and, and how can I take the company to the next level. So it's a pretty exciting role. Uh, keeps me busy day and night, and and I know I, I love uh, the the entire company, the space, and the people here. Interesting. Thank you so much for walking us through that. By the way, I, I do appreciate that. So um, I think one thing that that I I really um, 
uh, found it fascinating was uh, you started as an exploit writer, right? So you try to monitor and, and seeing what's happening. And then so pretty much like you are uh, in the trenches doing things and, and, and pretty much you have seen. So uh, how the exploits have changed over the years or over the decades. So what are some of some of your your thoughts around how if you can walk us through how the the type of attacks have changed and how the technology to cope up has evolved like if you can just walk us through give us some some insights or whatever you can share yeah yeah it's actually very fascinating so cybersecurity is very unique it's a very fast rapidly uh, changing threat landscape and every i would say 5 to 6 years dramatic it changes uh, so dramatically that some of the even products get obsolete in, in the process of that. So, uh, like, if you look at way back in the 1990s or early 2000, uh, the kind of attacks were like worms, you know, worm, mm -hmm. worm propagation. You had Code Red, Nimda, uh, Slammer, so some uh, very, very uh, fast and furious attacks, uh, which kind of crippled a bunch of infrastructure on the Internet. Now you don't hear about worms at all it's almost obsolete. It's very rare to come across worm. And that's because of the evolution of uh, operating systems, technology, and, and you know, embedding security in the stack of, of some of the OSs. So yeah, so I would say in terms of the, uh, some of the major dramatic shifts uh, in the last 15, 20 years, uh, attacks have kind of now uh, heavily been focused on users. You know, uh, spear phishing is a way to enter any large enterprise. Mm. And you know, once you click on a malicious link and, and there's an uh, attack uh, embedded in that, the attackers get in and you know, sometimes it could be via ransomware, it could be via you know, different forms of attacks. Uh, and once they are in, they can cause a lot more damage depending upon what they are after. Uh, so one of the other major shifts is uh, you know, past to present is in the past, uh, the attacks were not incentivized with money. You know, attackers not were not like, really making money right now. Attacks attackers are uh, incentivized. They they want to make money out of cybercrime. So cybercrime is a parallel economy. It's a business, and so so it's more dangerous now than ever, and it's probably getting worse, right? So so the, some of the key shifts are you know, changing from I would say you know worms to uh, going to and targeting users directly uh, and monetizing attacks. Uh, and now even there are you no know, attacks at nation state uh, state level, you know, where mm. different nations are targeting different nations. There's corporate espionage happening. So everything is going online. The internet has really uh, is really deeply embedded in all of our lives. So uh, security is something which has always been an afterthought. You know, uh, you know, you build something and then you think about security as an afterthought. So that is kind of what has led to the situation where now we are in a situ scenario where if you look at it, uh, the attackers have nothing to lose. You know, if I am sitting in a country where mm -hmm. there are no legal laws and restrictions, I can keep on sending you millions of emails, keep on attacking you. All I need to have is like one percent success rate, and that's good enough for me. Right? I have nothing to lose, and so that's why I think this problem is something which is going to get worse, if not better. Sorry to say that, uh, mm -hmm. simply because the odds are in favor of the attackers and not the defenders. So, and then this is kind of why uh, this has become a lucrative underground business. 
and now uh, in the in the more recent terms uh, you know it is much more easier to incentivize attacks using cryptocurrencies such as bitcoins and, and some of the other emerging uh, currency cryptocurrencies so attackers have um, you know various ways for you know money laundering ranging uh, leveraging cryptocurrencies and, and converting black money into white and so on so uh, so yeah i would say uh, it's a fascinating uh, fascinating uh, you know uh, threat landscape uh, you know how it has evolved over the period of times it, it is much more financially motivated much more sophisticated and and since people are making money they are investing time and effort to bit, to build better malware so mm. uh, and i think this is you know there's there's a lot more we are going to see in terms of attacks and sophistication to come out interesting interesting we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by first friday fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job let's get back to the podcast no i, I think uh, thank you for for uh, walking us through being an insider uh, of how this this industry is 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 exploding so now like uh, your perspective as a watchdog right so you have been seeing this industry grow and you have been on the on the side of uh, keeping the asset it asset secure so now i want your perspective on how the it interactions that you have been into has evolved over over the time because i i used to remember that uh, getting your antivirus up to date and all it was it was a it was a nightmare for an it to sort of maintain all the patches in and all that and now i think you are uh rightly saying that the 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 threat is exploding uh, the the amount the magnitude and 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 sort of the signatures have like it's 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 hard to fathom with so now how how had you seen um, the interaction changed when it comes to an a technologist or as an it folk interacting with um, say an insider like you uh, what are what have you seen as a shift in in, in the dialogue between these folks <laughs> Yeah, so I've spent a uh, quite a bit of time. I would say at least with hundreds of CISOs and senior executives in terms of who implement and, and buy security technologies and products. Uh, you know, in, in my journey as an entrepreneur in, in this space, uh, and I would say uh, one of the things which comes up now is, and what I also advise people is, you know, you have to understand the attack surface. You know, look at the weak. weak links in your environment and and build a systematic well planned out strategy to defend your environment uh, once you kind of uh, understand the uh, the perimeter and the boundaries and what you need to really defend right uh, and uh, i would say that uh, the earlier thought when when this whole uh, cyber uh, warfare or, or you know, the whole attacks was increasing the first reaction for a lot of people was just add more and more and more layers you know you add one layer after another after another and what has happened as a result of that uh, it worked to some extent but uh, as a result of that uh, it it made the entire security implementation process much more cumbersome and complicated to the point that you know now you need tools to manage the tools to manage the tools right mm-hmm. so uh, so 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 and then there is this perception that security adds complexity complexity uh, and and that's kind of also uh, been a deterrent in terms of a lot of people you know evolving and kind of adopting new technologies so i would say you know uh, smart layers are more architecture point if you are not changing uh, the cost of the attacker uh, you know you, you really cannot uh, fundamentally uh, change the equation in your favor so understanding that smarter layers is going to be key uh, and implementing them and just by adding more layers you are it's 
misconception. You know, people are beginning to realize that throwing more products and solutions is not going to solve the problem. Uh, so people are getting smarter, you know, uh, because this, there's a lot more awareness uh, in this industry than what it used to be 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So people are understanding the uh, much better, have much better understanding of this. So, uh, so I think this is kind of one of the things which you know uh, I, I see as a as a leading thought, which I think is positive. You know, mm-hmm. smart layers versus more layers, and mm-hmm. and 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 building and architecting solutions to kind of solve problems, uh, and, and not just building uh, you know uh, temporary gates uh, to kind of solve uh, topical uh, you know, uh, small problems. So yeah, I think that's kind of a a, a thing which kind of is a leading strategy which which comes up more and more often nowadays. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting. And 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 now let's talk about the the leadership perspective. I think so. I I was recently in a conversation um, with bunch of. Um, sort of entrepreneurs, leaders, and, and sort of the CEO branch. And and so they are pretty much yelling at their CISO saying that they are pretty much like a nagging bunch of lawyers nowadays. Just They're just asking me not to do things in 70,000 ways now because threat has pretty much increased mm-hmm. in all the dimensions. Now, uh, and, and in one of the interesting sort of executives says that, hey, life has become harder for us as, as, as a, because businesses are pretty much designed around the idea of cutting corners, finding those those side hacks and sort of exploiting that to grow. But now with this uh, sort of exploding landscape of security and the, the, the line between the paranoia of uh, a threat or, or an exploit vis-a-vis of uh, the liberty to sort of go out and do your stuff, it's, it's shrinking, that line is merging. So what, mm-hmm. is, what, what is your sort of observation as a, as a technologist seeing this uh, unfold um, in the business branches that you have interacted with what's your thought yeah i think uh, fundamentally the biggest problem which is playing security industry is that uh, security is always an afterthought hmm. you know when you are building something you are not thinking of security you just want things to go out somehow uh, and, uh, and 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 you know it later comes and bites you you know, mm-hmm. if, if you look at the recent uh, issue with the Intel processors, everybody wanted faster and faster processors. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly the entire uh, landscape has changed to the mm-hmm. point where, you know, it has become a huge problem, which is almost going out of control for mm-hmm. uh, big companies like Intel, right? So, mm-hmm. so uh, I think that is kind of the, 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 the kind of the big problem underlying here, uh, which is uh, you have to think security early on instead of you know later to do damage control because when you're doing damage control it's too late uh, you know uh, the cat is already out and and you are running around uh, spending more money uh, you know more distracted than ever trying to do damage control and, and nowadays you know uh, you must have seen some of the mega breaches you know in the last five years pretty much every large brand you can think of has been breached right mm. so 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 uh, you know and People lose a lot uh, of credibility in the market. You know, there's consumer confidence which goes down, and, and ultimately it is the consumers and the people who get affected by this by these mega breaches. You know, your credit cards get stolen, and then it's it's a hassle for the uh, you know average person down there. So there are consequences of of really not thinking out security strategies early on, and and you know 
uh, and, and doing a knee-jerk reaction later on. So my advice to everybody is uh, to make sure that if you if you if you have an internet-facing website, if you have, you know, if you have a profile where attacker, attackers might be interested in you, you have to assume that you will be attacked at some point. Uh, you know, people have this, you know, almost like a naive uh, assumption that you know why would anybody attack me? You know, right. uh, which, which kind of uh, leads to this problem. I have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I think it's 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 fascinating by the way. So. Uh, so recently, I remember talking to a CISO, and it, it's it's a it's a very weird interaction. So he's he's a CISO at a bank, um, and and he, and he said to Vishal, you know what? We are just the. It, it's actually very heartbreaking to to hear his his theory. So he said, we are just the guinea pigs to, like we are the first line who should be sacked once they see a security. And he sort of introduced me to this this paradox of security leadership. He said that. To secure infrastructure, you have to be staying long enough to understand what's going on. And mm-hmm. then many times when the security breach happens, the market demands to like the security had to be popped out and, and, and mm-hmm. be replaced. Right. And then mm-hmm. the thing that that kills security is the rapid change in its sort of framework itself. Right. So mm-hmm. and they say it's it's a paradox. So now the, the business sentiment says, hey, you are hacked or you're breached, change the heads. Right. But the head says, "Hey, you need you need to sort of create um, some appetite of of keeping me keeping me on board so I can investigate enough." So 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 he was talking about how the mindset, the market mindset, is not in line with the change landscape of security. Like, what is what is your thinking on that? No, I think it's true. Uh, I, I kind of uh, joke with my uh, CISO friend that you know this is the CISO musical chairs going on. You know, right, you go right. from one one place to another, and 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 yeah, I mean, and and sometimes you know when you have a public publicly traded company or a public prof- company with a public profile, uh, you know, you need someone. Uh, if, if there's a breach, you need to you know uh, show accountability, and then there has to be somebody to blame. And generally, it's the CISO. Uh, so it, it's also a high risk job. And he's absolutely right. So you know. Unless you are deep in the weeds and you understand things inside out, you will always have this fear that there is so much I don't know, uh, and and the fact that you don't know, uh, you know, uh, is is kind of makes your life even worse because you know you don't know what you don't know, right? So uh, so yeah, it, it is definitely a challenging role and a challenging job, and not to forget uh, they have tight budgets, tight uh, you know uh, timelines and implementation. Uh, it is a pretty challenging role, uh, and and I know I, I really feel for you know all the CISOs, and but I've you know I also have a lot of CISO friends who have done really incredibly well uh, in those environments. So there's a lot to be learned uh, from people who have, uh, you know, uh, already done this and been successful. So, uh, so I kind of uh, like to spend time with them and really, uh, you know, have them share their experiences on what is it that worked? What is it that, that didn't work? And, and, you know, and, and most importantly, you know, can you sustain this, uh, you know, period where mm-hmm. you, uh, you can manage uh, your credibility in the the market, uh, despite this being such a high-risk, high-profile job, so mm. it's, it's a very interesting gig, I would say. Interesting, and and I think so. One thing I I, I certainly need your perspective on. So, um, since you are in the trenches in data and you are seeing things getting secure, and you are actually on a provider end uh, uh, to this comfort of so-called security, now uh, there has been too much. So, I was talking to a few folks at uh, at, at NSA. Uh, and and bunch of those that that circle the federal circle, and there was a huge hoopla around the the ownership of data, right? So 
they said that uh, to fix the security they need to fix the the ownership of data right so so at least you can go and 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 fix the right trenches right so if if your if your business has holes or your business loops or business processes has holes mm-hmm. security can do so much in fixing those right security can just get some infrastructure layer around it but if you have ways to work around it so you'll work around it so what what have you seen as uh, when it when it comes to the the ownership right so do you have a perspective on on like how does the ownership you are seeing that's happening today and how would um, how would a business look at this ownership is it a problem you mean the ownership of data uh, right. of users okay yeah i, I think uh, th- there are several industry and i was also i've been pretty involved with the with the federal government here uh, and and the and the various intelligence agencies as well uh, they, they have some very fast fascinating technology uh, mm. some of it is really cutting edge to deal with some of these challenges but yes uh, right now in this world you know, uh, you know just in the last 5 uh, to 6 years i would say data has become king you know mm. data uh, you know there's so much happening around data uh, you, you are building technologies uh, and so but then everything relies on data right so mm. so who has access to the data who has rights to the data who ha- and, and and how much data can you share and how much of it is sensitive right so curating data is is a challenge uh, so if you want to uh, get data uh, you can be only as smart as the quality of data you know mm. if you get data which is not uh, you know qualified or, or well thought of out of uh, it can just be more noise right so right. so and and in the quest of that uh, you end up getting into uh, sensitive uh, discussions like privacy uh, user privacy uh, and uh, so yeah I, I would say especially in the government and, and and even the large enterprise this is a, a big challenge which people keep on battling on a on a regular basis in fact uh, countries in the europe now you know have come up with a concept called gdpr to kind of curtail and manage some of this uh, privacy concerns mm-hmm. and also have accountability when it comes to data breaches so yeah so there is a i would i would expect that there'll be a bigger role uh, of the government going forward mm-hmm. when it comes to data because right now if you look at it data is being managed by the top four or five companies which is you know mm-hmm. facebook uh, apple google and and now microsoft as well right uh, so so and 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 which means that they have a lot more power uh, because they have there are hundreds of millions of users using the products and the technologies and are depending on that and they have already profiled and they have a lot more insight than anybody else which means that they can move further along than anybody else which gives them a huge competitive advantage not to forget the sensitive pieces uh, mm. of 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 the whole uh, user and the privacy piece right so i would expect that this to be a ongoing debate uh, in the next few years and at some point uh, the government will start mandating certain guidelines on on what you can do and cannot do uh, similar to gdpr but but probably with a different context and different uh, you know uh, a scope uh, i expect that government uh, those kind of regulations and guidelines to come out in the next few years interesting interesting wow so thank you so much i think that that's really helpful and 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 um, another interesting area so i i when i was saying that i i recalled a conversation with one of the one of the insurance guy uh, here in boston and um, i was i was discussing this idea of securing the like how how much of threat is a, a insurance problem right so i i would rather just quantify it as as a risk and just make it a business problem rather than the it problem right because we assume that maybe we we cannot cope up with this with this evolving uh, modes of threat 
and he said that he actually pointed me to an interesting pro problem and I want your perspective on that. So he said that, Vishal, you know, with the SaaS and with cloud and the, the emergence of these services, now businesses are, are using sort of cloud, uh, say, for a bunch of their asset management. Now for a cloud service, each asset has a digital, like it's quantified as a digital footprint, right? So whatever that the thing is, they can quantify the risk accordingly. But to a business, that asset means totally different. So you have, there's a perception mismatch, right? So for me, that content means something, but for digital sort of, and, and he said that even when those lines are, are murky, when we come in as a, as, as a specialty insurance, uh, sort of quantifying the risk of this organization, we get into this debacle of does the cloud services are in how would how much they perceive to be the value and how much sort of this businesses would perceive to be the value like uh, how would you you as a technologist in a in a security company ha have you seen those conversations like have you seen um, those uh, those sort of confusions from your end in, in providing a patch and providing sort of the services for both the both the ends yeah, I think, uh, I think what you're talking about is, you know, how you, what is the context behind data? How do you, how do you relate to data? Everybody has a different perception about what data is and what data means to them. Uh, and, and, you know, it's the varying degrees of uh, opinions on data, which is kind of, I would say, the problem here, you know, mm -hmm. uh, for an end user, uh, you know, uh, you know I, I, I argue that I'm giving my privacy to, to Google and all I get is an email account. Right, uh, they are tracking everything I'm doing. Uh, so, so, it, but, but, but for, for, but for Google, they are making my life uh, much more convenient. They're giving me insights and making me do things uh, which I was not even thinking about earlier. They're making life mm. easier for me. And then again, within Google itself, there'll be different uh, teams who will be having access to different kinds of data coming from me as a user, right. which are you know, giving, you know, improving my maps experience, which is you know improving my my health experience. Which is improving, you know, my privacy, security, and, and so on, right? So, and my photographs, you know, everything is out there with Google right now. So, uh, so yeah, I, I would say, it, it, uh, you know, it, it, the, the entire context and and, and how you uh, talk about data is uh, they all different perspectives, mm -hmm. uh, and and everybody has their right and opinion to their own perspectives. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. But ultimately, uh, you have to look at. Uh, what is it that you're taking from an end user and consumer, you know, and and what is the worst case and the best case scenario for them out of this? So worst case means that you know if if this data gets breached, what is it that they can? What is it that an attacker will have access to, right? Yeah. So if you can curate data so that you know you build data which is relevant to you, relevant to the user, but at the same time not of much use for an attacker. If you can build out data paradigms using you know. Uh, technologies in the uh, security space that could be one approach of making it you know uh, something which is viable for both sides you know uh, without leaking out too much information but now if 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 say for example this this goes in the hands of an attacker and and you know he knows all of my habits uh, mm -hmm. you know when i come home when i leave home my timing when i drive so you know uh, they can do a lot of damage out of this they can target me and and, and you know and and kind of launch an offensive attack uh, scheme against me so yeah so, so i think uh, we have to be thoughtful about how we are looking at data and, and representing it and not be just confined uh, with, within our own perspective so there has to be mm -hmm. a bigger picture inside so that uh, People really understand that you know this is not my data. This is somebody else's data which I'm using 
to improve my business. Oh yeah, we are helping them, but at the same time, uh, there can be consequences of of of, of you know uh, this data going in the wrong hands. So uh, yeah, no, I think that's pretty cool. So when when I was actually when I was looking at your profile, I think one thing that I find really fascinating. So security and and chief technology officer, right? So we have been in a lot of interesting conversations where where te- chief technology officers are not security not from security background right so they are they're always struggling uh, to understand the security landscape they're always they're not basically basically cut out uh, for a security so now and 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 you working in that same industry sort of give me the perspective of that if there's a best case of a technologist in a, a secure technologist that would be you right so now i i like from that perspective i want some of the some of your your thoughts and best practices on so if what are some of the pri- what are some of your priorities as as, as a technologist when it come when it comes to securing securing your enterprise right so what are some of the things so if you look at an enterprise how would you like what are some of the best practices or your priorities to making sure the enterprise is secure as a technologist in that in in, in that enterprise yeah, I, I would say uh, that is something uh, in terms of you know you look at understand uh, the attacks uh, you know uh, what are your assets define them uh, and then in terms of how much you know people you know how much security as I already mentioned about layers you know people have mm. had this concept of layers so you need to start understanding that security is is not a tool security mm. is not a product security okay. is a process which requires expertise architecture implementation and technology so all of this have to be combined uh, to kind of get the maximum out of any t- technology that you can uh, you know that you that you play with and dabble with so mm-hmm. there's always been this uh, requirement for an easy button solution and those easy button solutions don't exist uh, that's a reality uh, mm-hmm. no matter how much uh, you know, money you spend ultimately it boils down to some of these uh, you know, very basic uh, uh, facts of life when it comes to security, right? Mm-hmm. So in the, in the in the current threat landscape, I, I kind of I like to define uh, enterprise securities uh, as as climbing Mount Never Rest. You know, you are you are <laughs> you are always climbing and you are, you can never rest uh, because uh, the attacker dynamics and the tactics keep changing. You need to be prepared for the worst case scenario always. Uh, uh, technology plays a, a very vital role. Uh, and then you have to look at how can you make things simpler for yourself uh, mm. and, and not more complicated because ultimately it will be people who will be using and implementing these technologies. And if you are not simplifying their lives in terms of u- usability, it's not going to work. It's not going to scale. So AI and machine learning are some of the interesting emerging areas which have a lot of promise uh, and because they, they simplify a lot of things uh, using a different approach, so these. Uh, but but then you know there are waves of of these technologies which come and go. Uh, right now, I would say, uh, you know, dabbling with AI definitely has some uh, is definitely showing some good promise. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. So um, that's that's pretty cool. So I think one thing that 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 uh, that again, it's with a lot of tech. CTOs on and like a lot of technologists uh, in, in industry sort of uh, we had this conversation about so technologist's job is to sort of empower business to go out and sell more to do like to like unleash their their capacity and capabilities right so now on the other side IT knocks on the door of technologists saying no 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 like don't do this or don't do that so 
the so one i need a perspective on like how much is how much security is enough like what is there any is there any end state of being secure like or, or you say hey now i'm not seeing that much per dollar incentive uh, of of in investing more time into this and maybe there's a, there's a there's a stop button there you say I, like i'm secure enough like is there any anything like that that you have seen or you believe in yeah so you can do continuous assessment and continuous evaluation of where you stand and grade yourself uh, mm-hmm. but uh, but but you know that's uh, that's only a perspective you know mm-hmm. the way i look at it is that uh, attackers uh, who manage to get in means that they had a perspective which you did not have mm-hmm. and you know and just imagine in a large company of say 100000 users mm-hmm. you know uh, if i send out everybody an email every day uh which is a spear phishing email hmm. what are the chances that at least five people will click on it right hmm. so so you have to assume the worst also in many cases that people will make mistakes so you have strong uh, prevention kind of technologies to make sure that you know they don't do any damage because uh, people will make mistakes uh so having preventative solutions is is going to be key and at the same time you couple that with uh you know uh you know a plan b that you know uh, in case uh, something goes wrong in something uh, you know we we couldn't block something early enough there has to be a plan b to mitigate and and respond to that quickly uh so so a combination of both of that can really uh, help define a pretty pretty clear simplistic strategy overall uh in terms of you know a plan a and a plan b obviously you need a plan c and a plan d as well but just to get started uh, these things would be uh, the bare minimum and 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 there is not and it's not about having more and more security and more and more security products it's about mm-hmm. having more and more maturity of processes maturity of uh, and the of the ability to leverage your existing investments and in, in what you have already invested in and also investing in smarter technologies which uh, you know which simplify your lives and not complicate uh, the it users life interesting no i think that's well said i think uh, yeah i i totally agree with you so um sort of other thing that i i almost talk to every technologist that 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 that, that i invite or at least i get in conversation with is the current time the current state of of technology right mm-hmm. almost every technology mm-hmm. that we talk about uh, is going through its own disruption and disruption happens in s curves right so it happens rapidly it happens quickly it questions the idea of stability right so because everything is changing and right now we are at, we are at a weird state where the things even my technology relies on is going in through its own disruption right the business model that i'm relying on is going through its own disruption there are a lot of things that are that are changing and i and i'm this i'm at i'm sitting at this um rapidly sort of vibrating when it comes to uh, a business model or or technology landscape as a technologist what keeps you sane like what keeps you uh, on check when it comes to providing a stable core to a business right when when you know the technology that you are relying on i think we talked about blockchain in this conversation we talk about cyber that's expanding so almost every of this aspect is going through its own disruptions so how would as a technologist you keep um your business core to be stable yeah i think uh yeah, the i mean the world is full of distractions uh you know th- there is always something interesting going on uh it it is very important uh to have focus and and really the ability to understand what am i really what do i really care about the most 
right yeah. what is it that my business needs the most right mm. there might be the the next new shiny blockchain startup coming up but is that really relevant for what i want to do right so i think uh, kind of building uh, kind of a fence around yourself at least in terms of making uh, critical decisions for the company and the team uh, i kind of like to draw those i would say uh, some lines around there so that you know uh, i'm not running all around looking at every technology out there and trying to solve every problem right so to mm. so define the scope and the problem and the area and and then look at uh, what is it my ability to execute on this do i have the team uh, which can enable this vision and 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 take it forward to the next level right mm. so i think i i kind of like to break things down and make it and simplify things uh, when it comes to uh, execution and that comes by focus so so i'll go and choose that okay this is the uh, like ai in machine learning and data science is an area which can really solve and disrupt uh, cybersecurity so i will invest all my time to make it better and better to the point where it is competitive in the market and it's solving real world problems yes mm. you know there is blockchain i will definitely read about it learn about it but uh, you know i will only use it you know when there is when there is a legit use case for me to you know jump into that but as of now uh, you know, i think that focus and execution go hand in hand and 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 that's very key for me you know as i'm building uh, technologies and companies mm-hmm. you you actually right it's it's very distracting there is uh, so much of technology there there's so much of people are continuously innovating and you almost keep on feeling that you know you are behind the race mm-hmm. sometimes but but it is the way I look at it it's not a race it's a, it's a path and and you choose the path uh, where you want to be interesting interesting no i think thank you so much for walking us through through that so now let's let's get to data science for for few minutes so let's talk about data science in security like what what are you currently seeing and and i and i see even in silence case you guys are touting the idea of ai using ai in machine learning and securing your assets right so what mm-hmm. is the state of data science in 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 now security like what are some of the trends that that we are seeing and probably we will see as as we go on to the future like what are some of your some of the observation that you are seeing yeah i think uh, it's early days uh, in 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 ai in 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 the in the world of cyber security mm. and uh, it's generally when we use the word ai uh, you know people have a perception about about ai you know it's about the robots taking over and it's <laughs> about you know it's heavily influenced by hollywood right, right. so so I, i kind of like to uh, simplify and, and again and define the scope of when we say ai what do we really mean by that right mm-hmm. so uh, broadly you know what we have done is we have kind of we have classified ai into like three broad categories one is mm-hmm. uh, artificial super intelligence which is uh, the kind of uh, you know what you see in the movies like the matrix you know uh, where uh, you have unlimited uh, analytical power you have perfect memory then you have artificial general intelligence wherein you know uh, you kind of a, for example you is about referring to a machine that is as intelligent as a human and equally capable of solving broad range of problems and reasoning uh, like for example the the turing test Mm. and then you have what i call as the artificial narrow intelligence wherein mm. uh, it's the uh, computer's capability to uh, and the ability to process vast quantities of data and detect patterns and relationships that would otherwise be difficult or impossible for humans to detect mm. uh, so so such data centric systems are capable of outperforming humans only for specific tasks uh, mm. like for example playing chess 
you know mm-hmm. so there is ai where you know you can play chess with an ai algorithm uh, and this is because the algorithm has learned all the possible moves it's very specific it's narrow and it's focused right so similarly i i look at uh, ai in cybersecurity i kind of put cybersecurity in that bucket as of now this is kind of where we are it is very specific you know you you have curating and building out data models and data uh, paradigms uh, to kind of uh, really uh, you know build an ai platform which is very focused in the area of cybersecurity uh, and and this could mean looking at network anomalies uh, you know uh, you know anomalies in terms of viruses and and, and malware and and so on and you kind of choose your your scope uh, where which you want to define and curate interesting interesting no that's a pretty awesome so um so what is the future unfold uh, uh, unfold for us like what are what are what to expect in future when it comes to uh data science ai and security like what are what are some of the some of the places that we are we're heading if you can if you can just give give us a glimpse of what's next when it when we think about security and ai, and AI or, or data science yeah i think uh, you know uh, first of all there is this again this uh, you know every time there's a new wave of technology which comes out uh, there is skepticism and excitement at the same time the excitement is oh it's it's you know it's going to solve the new problems and new skills the skepticism is that you know what what about the old jobs will it replace the old people's jobs uh, and 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 uh, you know and, and i would say that you know and we have encountered this most of us at least in our lifetimes already we have encountered similar technology leaps like for example uh, you know when the personal computer came about we all needed to learn word and excel versus the typewriter right and word and excel actually made us smarter and, and made us uh, more efficient when it comes to using uh, resources such as uh, and go beyond the typewriter yes right. people uh, some of the typists lost their skills but they upgraded and they learned word and excel and they could do a lot more uh, you know with, with those new skills and had much more new opportunities so i would say in terms of uh, uh, you know this new wave of ai uh, you know it's kind of something like uh, you know just like nanotechnology biotechnology quantum computing represent the fourth uh, industrial revolution ai is kind of kind of along those terms uh, i would say it's it's going to be a big movement uh, going for us where uh, in, instead of losing jobs i think it's going to create a lot more opportunities a lot more opportunities for people uh, to upgrade and uh, do the skills and do things better and get more better bigger results out of the same effort uh, uh, so yeah so i am pretty uh, positive uh, about you know uh, leveraging some of these uh, technologies and and really uh, unleashing some uh, you know some some new capabilities which were not possible earlier interesting interesting no i think uh, thank you so, so much uh... For walking us through that so one one um, other thought that i i seek your perspective on is so we are seeing um, another interesting trend is uh, distributed computing and asynchronous process like we talked about bitcoins we talked about like blockchain uh, that that's emerging and there are a lot of technologies that are saying okay can i use my can, through browser can can i use my like a, a piece of my my gpu or cpu as 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 a, as a guest in contributing to uh, the host's processes right as a security company uh, how much of that is like what how much of it is uh, a nightmare or 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 an opportunity for you to sort of secure these interesting innovative business model or or at least uh, use cases that are emerging that are relying on totally um, discrete pro gpus like they're just it, they're taking each gpu and cpu cpu in its own sort of uh niche and and then bringing it to solve your bigger problem like how much of a challenge 
Is this for the security companies to keeping us secure? Uh, you mean uh, like GPU processing for like for for like mining currencies? Right. So, so so my so basically any processing, right? So nowadays um, I can lend my processor um, mm -hmm. through browser or or like, oh I see. Uh, blockchain is a typical example, right? So when mm. you, when you call about mining, ledger management, or whatever, right? So or, or or SETA used to do it like so distributed computing or or plus mm -hmm. or grid computing. So how would so that landscape is now also emerging where sort of like all of our cell phones could be used as, as, a, as a processor for certain tasks. How much of that is a challenge or or it's 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 just a gimmick that probably will will stay in its own at this point or like what's what's your perspective? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, distributed uh, uh, computing and and the and 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 the quest for people to get some of your CPU cycles has been there for many years, you know, uh, there were, there have been several programs in the past, uh, uh, which have, you know, uh, you know I remember if, uh, we used to look for extraterrestrial, uh, right. there was a project called SETI, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, a while back. So, yeah, so this has been there for many, many years now. Hmm. Uh, uh, there, there are, and now that, uh, uh, there is some legitimacy in terms of sharing these resources because if you look at the average PC, the average laptop which you have as a consumer is far more powerful than you really need mm. it to be, mm. right? So you have a lot of underutilized uh, CPU or, or GPU cycles which are not being really used uh, to its uh, maximum capacity. So the whole idea is that uh, what if I take some of your, can you lend me some of your cycles so mm. that I could do some large-scale processing in the back end? Uh, so yeah, I mean... Uh, it, I mean, there's definitely some value in that, but in terms of security, I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it, I would I would want users to understand and know what they're really signing up for, because mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, they, you know, there there could be a liability issue where you know somebody is actually doing something illegal behind the scenes, uh, and you have no visibility of how your uh, CPU or your resources were being used, right? So I could uh, use your CPU and and do millions of these mach uh, machines and create a you know entire empire of bots mm. which can be used to launch attacks against uh, countries and companies uh, eventually right so 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 user consent uh, is going to be key uh, and at the same time explaining to the uh, a crisp explanation to the user of what that really means and what you know what you're really signing up for is also going to be key because many users would not really know what this all, all of this means right or this is all right. mumbo jumbo for a lot of people right? right so so you have to be have an honest conversation with people and let them know uh, what you're really trying to do with these resources, and, and if all of, all of that is clear, I mean, uh, you know, you could possibly use some of these, uh, you know, uh, technologies for distributed computing and 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 and, and leverage it for a for a uh, better cause. So now, um, uh, thank you so much for for walking us through that. Um, let's talk about you for a minute, and 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 again, I I do appreciate you being very candid and 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 walking us through sort of all these interesting perspectives of a technology and security landscape. Now, what are some of the tenets of your success? Like if you can share as a technologist, uh, what are some of the ingredients that, that really you find useful when it comes to sort of being where you are today? Like if you, if you can sh share with our audience. Yeah, I would say, uh, uh, you know, look at the basic things, you know, you, uh, life is about simple things and not complicated things. You know, uh, you, you have a goal, you have an objective, uh, be focused. Uh, uh, most, some of the most important things is you have to be fearless uh, in taking risks in your life. Uh, 
and and fearlessness comes from you know being being fearless comes from uh, having confidence in yourself that you know no matter what it's not the end of the world you know so i i continuously keep on uh, reminding myself with the simple uh, you know simple quote which i kind of literally created on my own uh, which is yeah. it goes like this you know uh, sometimes in life when things are not going your way it seems like the world is coming to an end hmm. and you know what the world is not going to come to an end and if it did it wouldn't matter anyways mm-hmm. right so uh, <laughs> so so, uh, so it's a simple one you know uh, i kind of always look at uh, try to uh, simplify things how can i simplify my life i kind of ask myself questions like if i take this action will it complicate my life or will it simplify my life uh, you know if 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 it's going to complicate my life i generally don't do those things because uh, you know uh, it's ultimately my aim in life is to have a simple life uh, so that i can enjoy what, uh, whatever i'm you know i've kind of uh, worked hard for so far so that's mm-hmm. one of my guiding principles uh, which i always follow and then other than that i would say uh, so on the practical other practical stuff which i have learned is always make sure that you are learning continuously mm-hmm. uh, you know when i started off in cybersecurity it used to be very different mm-hmm. uh, and now the entire threat landscape has dramatically changed so i have had to continuously upgrade myself and keep on learning so you know never be afraid of learning and taking on new things next is uh, get a mentor for yourself uh, no matter what you do uh, there is always something better there are better people than us who have seen this and played this uh, so make sure that you know uh, you know to increase your own self awareness get someone who's there to criticize you and critique you in a way to mm. make you better uh you know sometimes it could be your wife uh, it could be uh, you know uh, it could be your 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 parents uh, it, it all depends right mm. so yeah those are i would say some very uh, important uh, things which are lessons i have learned in my in my life interesting and and and, and thank you so much for uh, for being uh, for sharing us with that uh, one more question i ask almost every guest is to share a interesting piece of read uh, that either they are reading or they like or they want to share with the audience so do you have a favorite read for our audience Yes, uh, I'm a voracious reader. I read a uh, a lot. One of my favorite books, which I uh, kind of read, I think I read this last year, was a book called Mindset: The The Psychology mm. of Success by Carol Dweck. Uh, she's a professor at uh, of psychology at uh, at Stanford, I think. Uh, it, it was a, a fascinating read. It talks about uh, you know how mindsets uh, actually influence uh, the you know uh, the way we think, the way we act, and ultimately who we become uh, mm-hmm. you know there is a concept of fixed mindset versus a mindset where you are open uh, to changes and open to learning so people who have a mindset uh, you know which is open and and more adaptive uh, actually mm-hmm. go further along in life than when you have a fixed mindset of being right so it's a fascinating read uh, you know psychology uh, cognitive psychology is one of my passions uh, which i like to pursue uh, as a hobby uh, so this is one of my favorite reads interesting uh, uh beautiful book and i think I, i i think i read it yeah it's i think so thank you for for sharing that now um we are almost at the end of the conversation and and rahul thank you thank you so so much for being super uh, candid and walking us through the mindset of a technologist uh, from a security landscape before we part ways i definitely want your perspective on any closing remark that you want to share with our with with, with our with our audience or our listeners um, any thoughts 
Yeah, I would I would say uh, first of all thank you for uh, you know for for having me on this on this show and well, for those of you listening thank you for listening I hope this was useful uh, uh, you know I I would say that from a cyber security perspective uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know we are uh, at, at a at a threshold you know, we are at a point uh, in the industry where you know we need people we need expertise uh, so cyber security needs more people and talent so if you are interested in cyber security you know feel free to reach out you know you have my linkedin uh you know i can share my linkedin uh link uh, as well as uh, you know my twitter account uh, and you know we are looking at solving uh, this challenge with using data science i'm sure there are uh, various new avenues which are yet to be explored so you know mm-hmm. people who have ideas uh, feel free to reach out and share and i would uh, you know i would really really welcome that uh, so i'm looking forward to collaborating with people and and you know taking on this uh, big challenge in the industry awesome and with that um, thank you so much rahul um, wish you nothing but success and luck and and keep doing an amazing job and and um, we are honored to have you on the on on the on the podcast and Uh, you're always welcome to come back and share your story how it's progressing we'd love to know love to keep in touch and thank you thank you i was sick of home but actually i was homesick never really knew that i would have to grow up so quick i'm so uncomfortable don't know anybody here just a couple dudes that i met once that's it then i go into the booth feeling nervous got butterflies in my stomach like i'm so worthless is the mic gone i don't know how to work this inside i'm breaking down i hope i'm not up on a certain